Tate Chronicles now transmitting. Welcome to the Tate Chronicles on Healthcare Now Radio. And now, here's your host, Jim Tate. Good day, citizens of the free world, from border to border, coast to coast, and to all the ships at sea. I bring you a warm welcome. This is your correspondent, Jim Tate, and thank you for tuning in to the Tate Chronicles. Join me as we cut to the fog that exists at the leading edge of healthcare technology. I'm really pleased my guest today is Drex DeFord, healthcare strategist and CIO at CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike offers services and products that support cybersecurity against numerous industries and domains. Drex brings a long history of healthcare informatics leadership and has held numerous CIO positions in the military, culminating as being the CTO for the Air Force Health Systems Worldwide Operations. Drex, welcome to the Tate Chronicles. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's uh, it's nice to be here. I, I my my career extended long past the military too. I was the CIO at Scripps Health and Seattle Children's and Stewart, and so uh, yeah, I have some white in my beard too, Jim. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> that's good. Um, uh, uh, CrowdStrike is a sponsor for the upcoming Chime Online event titled "The State of Cybersecurity in Healthcare." It's a virtual summit on February the 8th, and I know the discussion that you're leading is titled Transforming Cybersecurity to Support Digital Health. Drex, I'm, I'm really glad to talk to you uh, today because with your decades of frontline experience, you have seen the evolution of cyber risk over time. Uh, give us a little sense of where you see the threat level is now compared to 10 years ago. Compared to 10 years ago, I mean, it really is night and day, right? If you think about where we were 10 years ago, um, most organizations had just deployed their first electronic health record as part mm-hmm. of the meaningful use program. Right. Uh, and then and then once that was done, everyone else in the health system wanted their bite at the technology Apple. So in a short period of time, we fielded a lot of technology very quickly, um, usually without spending a lot of time thinking or overthinking cybersecurity. And then in 2016, Hollywood Hospital was hit with ransomware. That was really the first hospital to get hit with ransomware, and they paid the ransom. And then at that point, the go rush was kind of on, right? We were a mission-critical industry that had become very reliant on technology, and we had significant security challenges, and we had a demonstrated willingness now to pay the ransom when systems were down. And so, um, yeah, things things are much different than they were even just 10 years ago. Well, and just speaking of the uh, ransomware, did that uh, did that threat increase with the uh, arrival of cryptocurrency? Yeah, I mean, interestingly, um, <clears throat> if, you, if you really sort of map this back to sort of 2009, mm-hmm. when we really started meaningful use, uh, 2009 is also the year that cryptocurrency was born. And so... Uh, you know, unintentional consequences of, uh, you know, maybe meaningful use in cryptocurrency. Um, like I said, when we got to Hollywood Hospital, somebody crossed the streams and and that's mm-hmm. really when we were off to the races. Yeah. When we talk about cybersecurity, are we primarily referring to protection from bad actors or are we talking about processes like uh, strong passwords and backups and redundancies? What are we really yeah. talking about? Or is it all of the above? 
Yeah, it is all of that. I mean, I think in my head, it's people process technology, right? Um, mm -hmm. I often talk about how everything is connected to everything else, which sounds kind of dumb, but I think in our world, uh, we see it over and over again. So, you know, cybersecurity is the frontline staff, right? The lab and front desk and radiology and nursing and admin staff all being part of the security team. But it's also, you know, business continuity planning, figuring out how you're going to run should systems go offline. It's incident response. Um, it's policies about everything from how do we acquire new systems and make sure that they're secure before we acquire them to making sure uh, with HR, the right people in our organization have the right access to systems that match their job needs and not more to keeping infrastructure relatively modern, right? We have a real challenge in healthcare with tech debt. And so um, it certainly includes all those things, strong passwords, secure backups. Um, you know, backups also is one of those things that is, uh, you know, sometimes we find healthcare organizations are really great at doing backups, but they've never actually tried to restore from the backups. Mm -hmm. So it's like making sure all of those pieces and parts are are in, in good shape because eventually, you know, you 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 may very well face this situation uh, of an adversary who's in your environment and doing damage, and you have to be able to um, to deal with that. And and all of these things are critical components of cybersecurity. I, I, I would think one of the biggest nightmares for somebody who's working for a healthcare system. I hope it gives them sleepless nights. But the the, the concept that uh, one day at nine a.m. during the week. A lot of surgery scheduled, and for whatever reason, the system goes down, and mm -hmm. and the only option is to go to to paper. You know, there obviously need to be fire drills uh, of some type. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if uh, you know those uh, what to do if a system goes down if it's just in a three ring binder that's dusty on somebody's shelf somewhere. Um, yeah. What what comments or recommendations do you have around? that because you had to be prepared for that. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I think, you know, given my background in the military, a lot of what we did every day was, you know, exercise, uh, exercise, lots of different scenarios. Mm. Here's how we would react when that scenario occurs. These are things that we refer to um, commonly, you know, on the civilian side as, you know, business continuity planning. Uh, what do we do when the system goes offline? What if it, what if only part of it goes offline? Who gets to make the decision about when we disconnect from the internet or we may, who gets to make the decision? How quickly do we need to make the decision when it comes to putting the emergency department on bypass and sending patients, um, you know, diverting patients from our emergency department to other hospitals? And then how do we do the work to take care of patients and families who are in the hospital? at this time, since we don't have access to our systems, how long can we take care of those patients and sure. when, when and who gets to make the call about when we start transferring patients out of, out of the, um, the organization? How do you restore from backups? All of those things are, um, are incredibly important and definitely need to be uh, practiced regularly. We see a lot of folks do tabletop exercises, but um, over time, it really needs to be exercised in a larger format with more business clinical and research operators involved so that they can think through and and not be 
panicked when the time comes, right? A lot of this is also just having perspective. We've done this in an exercise before. Everything's going to be okay. We know how to do this. We have stuff in binders that aren't dusty because we do practice regularly. Um, all that kind of stuff is part of the business continuity planning. And, and it's not only uh, bad actors. We can talk more about that. But uh, a system upgrade could be taking place in mm -hmm. a hospital and the pharmacy's EMAR system goes down. And so there's got to be uh, preparation for that because that just happens even when there's no bad intention whatsoever. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, this is the, you know, this is the business continuity conversation that doesn't have to do necessarily with cybersecurity. You're right. These things do happen uh, on a regular basis. This is just technology, uh, tech debt problems. Things break and you don't have a you know, you don't have a replacement for that right away, or uh, you you have a planned upgrade and it went wrong, and now you have to figure out how to get back to the to to where you were um, in the previous version of the of the application. All of those things can cause systems to go down. It feels more and more like the reason that systems go offline are tied to cybersecurity, especially when it's a long outage. But but no matter why a system goes down. You know, we definitely have become addicted to technology and have a hard time providing good, safe care for patients and families without that technology being available. You know, um, I, I thought it just occurred to me, obviously, around the banking system and monetary system in this country, there's certainly a lot of bad actors, but you don't hear about the technology going down too much. And, and maybe because there's so much uh, money involved in it. Um, how would you uh, compare uh, security around our financial system as to security around our healthcare system? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. Actually, you could use healthcare or a lot of other um, mm -hmm. industries too, or a lot of other businesses too. Healthcare is really interesting and special, and and for a, for a lot of different reasons. Again, having done this for thirty years as a CIO, um, there's. A lot, we, we, in many health systems, we uh, love to buy lots of different kinds of applications. And so in some health system, it's almost like when you walk in and start really going through an inventory process, the health system may have purchased and are running one of like everything ever invented. Um, mm -hmm. On the infrastructure side, on the application side, <clears throat> on the analytics uh, side of the house, uh, they're super complicated, and there's a lot of reasons for that, uh, up to and including things like medical equipment and you know IoT, IOMT mm -hmm. uh, devices. When you compare that to the banking industry or other industries, you find a much. I mean, of course, I'm, it's hard to say that it's simple, but I would say it's simple in comparison to the number of systems that we run in healthcare and the tech debt that we often carry in healthcare. So simpler is always easier to secure. And so you find that I think in other industries, maybe an easier infrastructure and application suite of things to secure. And in healthcare, you know, we, we struggle a bit and we're in the middle right now of a lot of M&A uh, that certainly causes some uh, new and interesting situations too. So yeah, it's just challenging. It's a different environment. Yeah. I think it's a much more complicated environment to secure. It, it is. And there's such a push for interoperability. Uh, and you start opening up all these APIs uh, that require authentication and 
uh, you know, there had to be a lot of gaps in there. Um, I'm amazed that um, it seems like some of the bad actors, uh, the attacks are such a low level. Somebody uh, at a front desk could, uh, if the system is open and connected to the internet, could receive an email, say, look at this video of this funny cat. And if they click on that, they've introduced who knows what kind of threat into the system. So the, it doesn't take a sophisticated nation state uh, to launch a, you know, a, an attack that can be very successful. Yeah, for sure. We, um, you know, certainly phishing is a, is a big challenge. And I think most healthcare systems are <clears throat> doing a lot of work to uh, educate frontline staff and, and, you know, test them on phishing scams. But, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the breaches that we see today are um, identity-based breaches. So, Maybe up to eighty percent of the of the breaches that we see start, uh, you know, with an identity play, and that may very well be a, an adversary, a bad actor. And and in healthcare, these usually aren't nation states; these usually are uh, e-crime syndicates. Right? They are going out to the dark web. They are buying, um, you know, username and passwords that have been downloaded from a breach at another organization. Uh, unfortunately, you know, end users, uh, all of us are very, our tendency is to kind of reuse passwords from one place to the next. They do some mapping to figure out that person works at this healthcare organization. And then they, they come in and try to use those credentials and sometimes they're successful. So you wind up with an attacker who's in your network, who looks like they should be there because they're mm. using legitimate credentials, sure. username and passwords. They look like somebody that works at your organization and then from there, they start that effort at lateral movement and trying to find what they can gain access to. Can they elevate those privileges? Can they do other things? So a lot of this is also the internal hygiene of the organization mm. and how they, how they manage sure. um, that identity, access, their active directory, um, those kinds of things. Uh, let me mention to our audience, if you're just showing this episode, I'm Jim Tate, and on this episode of the Tate Chronicles, I'm speaking with Drex DeFord of CrowdStrike, and the topic is cybersecurity. So the uh, introduction of applications and data in the cloud, did that increase the risk, the risk to healthcare data when that became a big thing? Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I don't think just in and of itself – you know, cloud doesn't have to be a soft target. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I think you can make the argument that in some cases, having data in the cloud might actually be um, better or more protection than an organization who's running those applications in a, you know, tech debt ridden local data center. The big challenges we see in cloud attacks often are misconfigurations. So running operations in the cloud is a lot different than running operations in a local data center. Staff need to have new skills, uh, they need new tools and platforms and services to be able to run cloud infrastructure and operations securely. And then certainly we get into the other version of the cloud too, right? Software as a service or, you know, third-party partners. Um, so for example, clinic or clinical or business applications that are hosted in the cloud and may include hosting your data in the cloud as part of that application. Mm -hmm. um, but those vendors, you know, sometimes too are hosting hundreds of other healthcare systems in that same environment. And because there's a lot of data concentrated in one spot, if the adversary can get into that third-party vendor system, they gain access to 
data from lots of different healthcare organizations all in one place, which you know can cause a data breach for multiple healthcare systems, obviously. So, um, you know, that version of the cloud conversation or you know, really is tied to third-party risk management programs that you need to make sure that you you're up to speed and, you know, again, talking regularly with your uh with your third parties about their security posture and um and you know the 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 posture of all those partners who have access to your very important data your patients and families very important data uh tell me a little bit about crowdstrike um uh in particular crowdstrike uh, for healthcare who are your customers what do you do for them well the customers kind of run a a pretty broad gamut. We are at, uh, you know, I don't want to call anyone out by name. We're at some of the largest healthcare systems in the country, sure. and some of the smallest healthcare systems in the country. And uh, and really CrowdStrike uh, does everything from endpoint detection and response, which means uh, really helping organizations with uh, capabilities like Falcon Complete uh, to make sure that they are able to detect when something bad is happening uh, mm -hmm. in their network uh, within a minute, uh, within 10 minutes, do an investigation, confirm that there's something bad happening within 60 minutes, kick the bad guy, you know, out of the network. And so um, we, we do once in 60, we use that as sort of our standard because in a lot of the research that, that we do uh, on cybersecurity, you know, we know that, from the time a bad guy gets into your system and is on the first machine, in about an hour and 24 minutes, they will move from the first machine to the next machine. It takes them, them that long to break out of that first machine. Whoa. And once they break out of that first machine, uh, it creates a situation where you're much more likely than at that point to, to have ransomware deployed or to have data exfiltrated. So the game plan of what good looks like has to be to keep them from breaking out of that first machine. So that's what 11060 is about. Mm. Detect, uh, investigate, and respond or remediate. If you can do that quickly, 24-7-365, you're in a you're in a pretty good, you know, position to be devastatingly effective against ransomware and, and data exfiltration. That, that's um, fascinating. I've never heard that yeah. level of of detail, but I guess you've been involved in so many of these and seen so many, you know what the patterns are and, and where the risk is. Um, do you uh, typically or do you offer um, system analysis to uh, kind of like a security risk analysis to see where gaps may be? Sure. From a from a services perspective, um, mm -hmm. you know, certainly are known as an endpoint detection and response company, but uh, we do we do lots of services and have lots of capabilities in our platform to do things like Active Directory assessments uh, to see um, things like uh, you know a lot of us have a lot of healthcare systems have um, service accounts and the service accounts have never had the password changed or haven't had the password changed in ten years those sure. things sometimes they don't even know that they exist because the Active Directory administrator has changed over time and so. These service accounts are just in there working. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of people with elevated privileges that don't really need them. And so with an Active Directory assistance uh, assessment, you can actually uh, see a lot of that, that information. And then the, we certainly have tools that help you run um, Active Directory more securely. But external attack, service management, uh, mergers and acquisitions are a big thing right now. We, you know, we have a team of folks who can come in and and help you with analysis around M and A. Yeah, we're we're absolutely a 
a services company, um, you know, that's that's really powered by our platform and the 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 intel, the the cybersecurity intelligence that really uh, underpins the platform. One thing um, I'd like to hear you comment on is, you know, healthcare systems uh, there are involved with so many supply chains. The risk to supply chains that maybe the um, healthcare system itself does not control the supply chain, but the supply chain affects them. You you see supply chain attacks. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's sort of two versions of supply chain. There's certainly the software supply chain uh, kind of attack where, um, you know, again, this goes back to a little bit of some of what I was talking about earlier in that that third-party risk management program. But third parties who may be delivering software to you or may be delivering software updates to you, um, and uh, you know the bad guy compromises that third party company, and as Correct. a result, they're able to deliver these software bombs um, in a way that look completely normal to you. Yeah, we always take that update when they offer it. We take the update, we put it on our servers, and and we go from there. And there are examples, you know, certainly a lot of examples in the press um, about that. And then the you know the, certainly the other part of the of the supply chain is the you know the the part i was talking about where you're using other vendors to do software as a service or in some cases other things uh that when that system goes down it has a devastating effect on your organization because uh you know you need to make payroll you need to get sure. those supplies whatever the case may be so again in the spirit of everything's connected to everything else we think about cybersecurity for our own organization and how we protect our own organization, but the reality is in healthcare, the supply chain for everything, supplies, um, uh, you know, being able to file claims, uh, working with uh, insurance companies uh, for research organizations or academic medical centers, being able to connect to other organizations like that to continue that side of the business everyone depends on everyone else. And so, uh, yeah, you definitely have to put some time and effort into making sure or helping to make sure that you understand what the risks are that are associated with your partners. Uh, that's a that's a big part, I think, of providing better, faster, cheaper, safer, easier to access care for patients and families. And that's really a, our mission in healthcare. Uh, and I, I would imagine that as there's there's more technology and more threats to that technology. The uh, security models are have to be constantly upgraded, updated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we we talk about it um, often as the old model of security really being focused on taller castle walls and deeper, wider moats to keep the bad guys out. And certainly, that's something that still has significant importance. If you do that really well, you keep a lot of the lightweights out. But clearly adversaries are getting over the wall because they have significant skills and they're getting into the network. And so the new model of cybersecurity is really tied to this idea of speed. And I spoke of that a little bit earlier, but we know, you know, like we talked about the hour and 24 minute threshold of, of breakout time. So the new model really is how do you create a situation where you can always stay ahead of that of that breakout time. And that means, you know, a good cyber program uses that 11060 detect, investigate, remediate cycle. And um, I think if you can do that, that's part of what we talk about 
when we talk about cybersecurity transformation is this idea that there's an old model of cybersecurity. There's a new, much more agile model of cybersecurity that turns out to be really important and challenging for a lot of organizations to make that transition, not the least of which is just, you know, change is hard. Drex, we're almost out of time, but before we say goodbye, uh, how can our listeners find out more about the services offered by CrowdStrike? How do they get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're easy to reach. You can certainly um, reach out to me directly. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm at drex.deford at crowdstrike.com, but you can you can find out a lot about us by going to crowdstrike.com slash healthcare. If you're using, if you're a healthcare system that uses integrators or resellers to help you um, understand this market better or engage in this market more completely, talk to your resellers about us too. We work with okay. um, with many of the partners that almost every healthcare system's uh, using to uh, to to do their acquisitions. Well, and I want to mention again, I did the, at the beginning, but I want to mention again that CrowdStrike is a sponsor of the upcoming chime online event which really is uh title of state of Cybersecurity in healthcare it's a virtual summit february the 8th and uh drex i know you're leading one of those discussions i'm looking forward to it myself uh, attendees can register at the chime website chimecentral.org and i want to thank our audience for joining me on this episode of take chronicles and, of course, a special salute to my guest today, Mr. Drex DeFord of CrowdStrike. Drex, thanks for coming aboard today. Jim, thanks. It was a real pleasure, and uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting with you again. You can find more information on this show's program page at healthcarenowradio.com. Until we meet again, here's wishing you smooth sailing and safe harbors. Tate Chronicles transmission ending now. <laughs>